the entry here. <laughs> I just got to get my Bible. I know Ken. Ken and I go way back. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I'm going to have a privilege of praying for Ken as he delivers the word, but I would love for all of you to stand just as honor to him. Ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Love you too. <laughs> so Ken, if you don't know, he was the first father of this work. He's put in a lot. He's prayed for many of you. He's sacrificed of his time for many of you. And we thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a privilege. So, that's really why are. I wanted all of us to stand and honor thank him you. Thank as you. he delivers the word. So would you just stretch out your hand and we're going to pray for him collectively. Father, we thank you for this man. We thank you for him. We receive from him. We receive from him of one whose heart has always been for you, O oh God, and for your people. And we thank you. Thank Amen. You. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Good morning to you all. If I can say that um, Dwayne was actually part of this church before I even got here, to be honest. I think it came a Sunday before we arrived from South Africa. There were a group of, I don't know, 10, 12 people, I can't remember. And um, yeah, so they've walked a long road with us and I just want to also commend the both of you for your diligence and faithfulness and service and sacrifice as well. It's always team. It's always a team effort, so thank you. God is good, eh? Yeah, he is good. I'm actually just trying to find out where to go, to be honest. I'm not too sure if I should be doing what I'm doing. Um... It was through, not many of you know this, actually I don't think anybody knows this, it was through a baby dedication when Chantal was dedicated that set a process, set things in motion that a couple of years later I came to know the Lord. But that's where it started. Michelle and I were involved in a cult in other words, um, we didn't believe in Jesus. We were part of a, um, a cult where they taught you to meditate and uh, you worshipped on false gods. And uh, it was a combination, uh, a real combination of a couple of things, philosophy and Hinduism and Eastern stuff and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we were part of that like four or five times a week, a week. And... Um, then we had Choran, Chantel, and then Clayton, I mean, Clayton and then Chantel, and, no, sorry, Chantel and Clayton, another way around, I'm confused, Chantel first, if she hears this, she's going to come and, ah, I'm your firstborn, she keeps telling her that, <laughs> and then, um, but they wanted to, in a sense, control our children, and that's when we pulled back and left, and then, um, through a series of circumstances, Michelle decided to dedicate Chantel. And uh, at that dedication, the guy that did it, a guy that's Clayton would know, Alfred Engelsman, he spoke to us about what you're doing is you're saying, God, I will do my best to be able to raise this child up the way you would want me to. And I didn't mean much to me, I have to be brutally honest. Um, but Michelle took it very seriously. So she promised God 
that when Chantal reaches about three, I think it's three, unfortunately she's not here this morning, so she'll correct me when I get home, uh, <laughs> lovingly. She promised God that when Chantal gets about three years old, she will start to go to church. And so we moved cities. And uh, she moved, we moved particularly that she would, I was in business at that stage, that she would find a house that was very close to a church. Not understanding anything about denominations or churches. I've got to understand that. have no clue about it whatsoever. No understanding. And she found this house and there was a little church down the road, probably 200 yards down the road from us. And so we bought that house and we moved from one city to the next and I was still in business. And she started to attend that old church because Chantal had just turned three. And so she fulfilled her promise. And the first Sunday that she went to this church was Pentecost Sunday. And uh, she had been saved at 10 years old in a Ramakrishna center with people calling on demons and other false gods. And in that environment, God touched her life. God is supreme. That's <laughs> above all. And, but she did not know that she was born again. She just started to weep with joy uncontrollably. And uh, sorry, I'm and people didn't know that. And years later, we had a couple of people come and prophesy over and said, people call you Michelle, but I call you Joy. And they didn't know about what happened because when she got saved, she was so full of joy. She couldn't contain herself with the tears of joy. And she hardly slept that night and she was 10 years old. She was, and the Lord said three times to her, people call you Michelle, but I call you Joy. Anyway, she started to attend that church. It was Pentecost Sunday, and she went, and at the end of the service, the guy gave the altar, altar call, and she went forward, knowing that she had to go forward, yet she was already saved, but now she was really proclaiming it. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, I wasn't there. I was off playing soccer or doing something else, or maybe out with the boys. I wasn't too sure. And... Um, then she came home, and the very next Sunday, she went back to the church, and she said to the guy who was leading the church, what can I do to help? And he had never had that happen before. And the reason why she did that is because in the cult, she was serving four or five times a week. So that was her lifestyle, or our lifestyle, and how God would take something that the devil meant for evil, and God will mean it for good. You understand? So that was a heart to help and to serve. And the guy said, well, maybe you can help with the children's church. So she said, sure, what else? And he said, well, maybe you can help at the women's Bible study. She said, sure, what else? <laughs> and he said, well, maybe there was something else. You can do that. And she said, what else? And he said, no, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. <laughs> there's nothing else. And so she started to do that. I never went because I was not interested. And... Um, it's then that she came home from church one of those Sundays and she said the youth group, the couple that are leading the youth group can no longer lead the, worth, lead the youth group, so can we do it? Wanting to help again. So I said, why? Yeah, of course we can do it. So we started to meet with these young people. It started at 8 on a Friday night, every single Friday night. 
And as a result of that, I slowly started to attend that church because I felt, I suppose I better go. <laughs> but it didn't mean much to me. It honestly didn't. I'm just being honest. But I felt it was my religious duty to do. And that started to set in motion a whole lot of events that led to me coming to know the Lord. But it started through a baby dedication. You never know what God will do. You never know who God will take hold of. As you're obedient to him, you never know. He's the God of the impossible. He really is the God of the impossible. And uh, so we continued to take the youth. And then she came home from the church one day and said, this church is going on a family retreat. Can we go? I said, you're crazy. We're not going on that retreat. <laughs> I was more interested in the sport. And the FA Cup final was that weekend and a whole lot of sports events. But she convinced me. So we went. And I, uh, many of you know this. And I don't know why I'm telling this. I feel like some of you have lost hope. And I put the TV in the trunk of the car because <laughs> I didn't want to miss the sport. And obviously when I got there, I saw, well, this TV doesn't quite fit with what's going to happen this weekend. <laughs> and I like, spent the whole afternoon trying to find and put an area or whatever, and it didn't work. Because <laughs> that's where I was at. It meant nothing to me. I cannot explain to you. It had, no, it had nothing. And it was at that weekend that God slowly started to work on my heart and soften my heart. And um, it was that weekend that I responded to somebody being said, who ever wants prayer, and I went forward. After I just told Michelle, these people are brainwashed. I just told her, these people are brainwashed. And then, for some reason, you get up out of your seat and you go forward. That's God. <laughs> it's God. And two young people prayed for me, and I started to weep. And um, I was very, very embarrassed because you don't do that in front of 300 people. Now I can't help myself. <laughs> and um, so he turned to his friend and he said, why is he crying? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. So the other guy prayed for me. And then I went and sat down. And that was the first time in my life that I realized there was a God and I did not know this God. It was the first time in my life. First time in my life. And that started the process of me inside beginning to call out to him, to cry out to him. I really mean it, cry out to him. Because there were things in my life that I could not change. I wanted change, but I could not change. I had tried. There were things in my life and my lifestyle that I just wanted change, but I couldn't change it. And so I honestly said to him, God, you need to change me. And even as a Christian, I want to say to you, there's things in your life you cannot change. Let God change it. 
But as you cry out to him, genuinely from the bottom of your heart, something opens up inside of you. That's what it does. Something begins to open up inside of you. Allow God to come and touch you. That's what the desperate cry inside you does. Whether it's for you, your spouse, or your children, or whatever it's for. Never lose hope. And that was a year of struggle for me. A year where there was a war inside me that raged, but I mean it raged. There was a war inside me that raged, where one half of me, I felt like a schizophrenic. One half of me wanted to pursue God, and the other half of me said, don't do that. That's what raged inside me. And so there were seasons that I would go and kneel on the side of my bed only because I'd seen it in the movies. No other reason, I didn't know what else to do. And I just said, God changed me, I cannot change. And so Michelle continued to go to that church. We continued to do the youth. And I continued to have no clue what I was doing. <laughs> Not that I know what I'm doing now, but it's a fact. When these poor young people came and asked me about God, I didn't know what to tell them. I used to just say, don't worry, God loves you. <laughs> and it wasn't because of our, whatever we did to facilitate the growth of these young people. That youth group grew from eight to over 120, 130 people in three years. You can never take things. You can never say, look what I've done, because it's purely by grace. It's purely by grace. And unfortunately, as we become Christians, we try behavior modification, because we've experienced God and we want more of Him, so we try behavior modification in order to get more from Him. That doesn't help, trust me. It makes it worse, you're right. You actually lose your joy. And uh, so she came back from the church one Sunday and she said, listen, they're getting back on another. This is a year later. They're getting back on another retreat. Can we go? And this time I wanted to go because God had started to begin to work in my heart. And it was at that retreat that a man from the vineyard ministry was preaching. And it was a Friday morning about 11 o'clock and he just stopped preaching and he said God wants to do something so me in my ignorance I stood up everybody see that I'm standing up because <laughs> I wanted to see what was going to happen and when I sat down God got hold of me that's when he revealed himself to me and he grabbed my heart that's what he did. And everything else that had grabbed my heart had to let go. Because he's superior. Everything else that had gripped my heart for 33 years had to, because he took hold of it. And it's like he came and said, out, 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 out. He belongs to me. That's the day I fell in love with Jesus Christ. And I didn't 
cried small tears. Those were long, big tears for 45 minutes. I had parts of my life go before me. Some of the stuff I'd done. And it tore me up inside. It just absolutely broke my heart because I felt his love, unconditional love. And uh, I know many of you know this, and I don't know why I'm saying this. This is what I'm saying. And when you cry a lot, your nose runs, like it's running now, but it really runs. And I'll never forget the picture of these long strands. <laughs> I was sitting there in these long strands. I could see them. I can still picture them going. You know how they run down long strands. <laughs> and that would gross most people, but it didn't gross the Lord. <laughs> he was delighted. <laughs> that would really gross people out, particularly in the pandemic, but anyway. <laughs> he took hold of my heart. And I've never been the same since. Never. But that's when he really started to work in my life and turn things around. God takes hold of your heart. And because he takes hold of your heart, he begins to call you a son and a daughter. And the Bible says, and that's what I wanted to preach on, carry on from what I started last week. I don't think we're going to finish it. And because he pours his spirit into our hearts, my heart started to cry, Abba, Father, ever father because now I've been reconciled back to my creator because of the price of Jesus Christ and you cry ever father like you come home but you don't understand it you honestly don't understand it I had no clue about it so I had to go buy a Bible, and as I began to read the Bible, I started to get some theology into me, so understanding could come of what had happened. And still, that process still continues. Do you understand what I'm saying? But because he grabs hold of your heart, because he rescued us, before we know Jesus, we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to the devil. We are slaves to the world. We are held captive. We are slaves. We don't know it, but we are. But then we become slaves to the Lord, in a sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he comes to set free. Take us out of slavery. That's why the whole of the Israelite journey is a picture of them coming out of slavery. Jesus said, said to the Pharisees, you're slaves to your son. And to your father, talking about the devil. And he puts his sonship in us. It's what he does. And he says, welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. And he says, now that you've come home to me, I am now going to reveal myself through you to other people. And then he calls us to serve and he calls us to sacrifice. But the reason why I serve and the reason why I sacrifice or the reason why I go through suffering is because he's grabbed hold of my heart. I'm not doing that to earn anything from him. I'm not doing that to get anything from him because he's already grabbed hold of my heart. 
And when you love someone, you'll do anything for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I was courting Michelle, I'll never forget, I used to walk miles to go visit her. Miles. My car broke down, so it doesn't matter. I want to go visit my girlfriend. So I would walk three miles. And I'd walk three miles home. And it wasn't an issue. It wasn't a problem. And so when he grabs hold of your heart, you willingly serve him. However he says you serve. So he calls us to serve. He calls us to serve others. He calls us to serve unbelievers sometimes. And that's where we begin to grow into maturity as we serve. As we serve as he calls us to serve. Whatever it may be, whatever he calls you to do, he'll call you to serve. Whatever it looks like. Never get your value from what you're serving. Get your value from who he is. And he calls you to serve in a way that you're not going to look for accolades. You're not going to look for recognition. You're not going to look for position. You're just going to serve because you love. No other reason. And he works that in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then he calls you to suffer. Because the Bible talks about that. And the suffering is, because I know him, a target got painted on my back, and the evil one is now after me. And so you go through trials, and temptations, and persecutions, and tribulations. But it's in that, as we persevere in that, we begin to mature and grow up. Because it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. And so tribulation and trials causes suffering us, and suffering causes perseverance, and perseverance causes character. Romans 5 tells us that. Go read it. And character is tried integrity. And he works that in us, and he works that in us over a period of time. And I'm willingly laid down because he captured my heart. I willingly go through what I go through because he captured my heart. That's why the highest calling we can have is to serve and to suffer for him. It's a high calling. It's not something that goes down well in America, unfortunately, because it's against the culture. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, and one of them was Judas. And he knew that man was about to betray him. He had got on his knees in front of that man and washed his feet. Whatever he calls you to serve at, I encourage you to serve. Serve. Whatever he calls you to lay down, I encourage you to lay down. But let him call you to do it. Don't let somebody else tell you what to do. Let him tell you what to let go of. Let him tell you what to let go of. Let him tell you. Because whenever you give up time, your convenience for him, something shifts. When you do it willingly, not because you have to.
something begins to shift. That's what it means to serve and suffer. Amen. And that's what he calls us to. He calls us to this great salvation. He calls us to this incredible relationship as a son and daughter. He calls us to serve and he calls us to suffer or sacrifice. And four or five weeks ago, I touched on what biblical New Testament sacrifices are. And I don't want to go through that as a New Testament priest. Why? Because it captured my heart. Because it captured my heart. Say what you want to say or do it. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so I don't know why I went down this road, but now I've got something that I feel like God confirms. Because I feel like God wants to take hold of people's hearts afresh. We so often want to give him other things, and the Lord says, Now I want your heart, my son. I want your heart afresh. I want your heart. But our heart has been hurt. Because of disappointment. Or our heart has been hurt because others have let us down, or whatever the case is. And the Lord says, That's okay. I can come and heal that. Let me take hold of your heart. Because it's out of the heart that the issues of life flow. It's out of the heart. You're with me. And so if you're here this morning, no matter where you're at, Saved, unsaved. And you're just saying, God, I need you to take hold of my heart afresh. Doesn't mean you're in a bad place. You're just saying, God, I need more of you to take hold of my heart. And there's nothing you can do to make it happen. The only thing you can do is cry out. And keep crying out. And keep crying out. And keep crying out. He will do it. Trust me, you'll do it. Don't know when, don't know how. You won't pick the time and the place, but it'll happen. <laughs> and you don't know what it's going to look like. This man, Tommy, God's taken hold of this man's heart. I just mentioned him. Many of you others have, but I just happened to mention him because I can see it taken hold of his heart and it was a journey it was a process and it still is but he's taken hold of his heart so it's never about being eloquent it's about God taking hold of your heart you can stumble over the words that doesn't matter. What comes through is what God's taken hold of your heart. That's what comes through. So if you hear this morning, you say, God, take hold of my heart afresh. I willingly want to serve your purposes. Whatever that looks like, I willingly want to let go of things, whatever you ask me to. And if it causes inconvenience in my life, hallelujah. I remember when I first got saved, I told my wife, you know, I love you, but I love the Lord more. <laughs> and there was a season in my life that all I wanted to do was be a martyr for him. That's all I wanted to do was be a martyr for him. This was the highest price I could pay. 
And I remember once in Malawi, we were walking up a road and the sun was going down and we'd just spent the whole two or four days ministering and I was with another guy. And as we were walking up the road, two guys came down to us. One guy came down. So I started to speak to him to try and minister to him. And he pulled out a long panga. Mesheke, it was like a, you know, a mesheke, a big thing like this. And he held it up. And the guy next to me turned and ran. And he's a sprinter. He was gone. And by the grace of God, I had all the money I had was in my back pocket to be able to get me home back to South Africa. And I put my hands behind me and I took my wallet out and I dropped it on the floor. And so he started to search me and he couldn't find you to rip my watch off and whatever the case is. And then he said something to his friend in their language, like he couldn't find something. So he turned around and walked back up. And as he walked, I bent down and picked my wallet up. And then his friend at the top started to shout at him. And he turned around and he started to run at me. My friend, my other friend was down the bottom of the road already. And I started to run. But I'm not a fast runner. And I felt this machete come and I felt the wind of it behind me. So I stopped to turn around because I knew if I faced him I could maybe do something. And for some reason he just stopped and he turned and he walked away. It was like God was there. I don't want to go through that again because I felt that wind. <laughs> but you do it for the Lord because he's grabbed hold of your heart. He's grabbed hold of your heart. And you're saying, Lord, grab hold of my heart afresh and anew. I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to open your hands. And the only reason why I ask you to do that is because you're saying, Lord, I choose to let go what you want me to let go. Now ask him to take hold of your heart. Whether it be broken, shattered, hurt, rejected. Take hold of our hearts, Lord. We ask you, take hold of our hearts. Capture our hearts afresh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Maybe you've even been caught over the last while in a lifestyle of stuff you've done that you don't like doing. Just tell the Lord. Say, Lord, this thing has captured my heart and I don't want it to. I want you to capture my heart, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, the one who paid the price, the full price, that we might walk with you, Father, talk with you, Father, and we might literally hold your hand, Lord.
And in Jesus' name, we ask and you capture our hearts anew. Capture our hearts anew, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just let me say this as you wait on the Lord. There's nothing wrong to have, because that's what's coming up inside me. There's nothing wrong to have lots of stuff. Just don't let it capture your heart. There's nothing wrong to enjoy what you have. But just hold it lightly, that's all. Just hold it lightly. Father, I say in the name of Jesus Christ, every work of the enemy in the hearts of your people, Lord, Every work of the enemy I rebuke in the name of Jesus. And I say to you now, you will release those hearts in the name of Jesus. Because one that is greater than you will take hold of those hearts. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All God's people said amen. amen. Please say hello to somebody, and that's all I have to say today. Amen. Good morning, Free Life Church. We're glad from you're the heart, here. If you haven't seen it before, Thank remember you. this day. Straight from the heart. Not a single, not a single note read. Amazing. This man is like a father to me. And I pray that same for everyone, but that we can all have someone like that too. In addition, maybe it's your earthly father, but someone who is like a father to you, who points you nowhere except the kingdom of heaven. If you would like prayer for anything, there will be a ministry team over here. If you are visiting in person, you can Fill out a connect card on the back of the seat in front of you and fill it out in the black box as you go. Please stay for tea and coffee if you would like. Continue that conversation from before. Be blessed. Good morning, Free Life Church. We're glad you're here. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and learn more about Free Life Church. A member from our Connection team will be there to answer any questions you have. We look forward to meeting you. Hosted by the Foundation of Liberty in America class, we will enjoy a screening of the movie Monumental and learn the story of America's beginnings on Wednesday, May 19th at 6.30 p.m. On Saturday, May 29th, there will be a Foundation of Liberty Saturday seminar. If you were unable to attend or missed a week, come join us to learn more about the biblical foundation of America that wasn't taught in history class. Baptisms are coming up. If you would like to be baptized in water, please sign up for our next baptisms happening 
on June 6th at 2 p.m. after church at the home of Kevin and Katie Poole here in Leesburg. Remember, for more information about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.